Hey, congratulations on getting out to church on a holiday weekend. Uh, so glad you guys are here. Um, hey, we were just singing that song, uh, It Is Well. Um, I don't know if that's the name of it, but that's the refrain. Um, and it was like this morning when we sang it, it just hit me. Uh, and again, as we were singing it again, it hit me. And I don't know like where your heart is or where you feel like your soul is with the Lord. Um, but I was, I was just singing and I felt like, man, I, I need this right now. Uh, because as we were singing, I felt like I was trying to convince myself that my soul is good. Um, like, the, the, let, my, let my soul catch up with the thing. Like, I know, I know in Christ, like, he has saved me, I'm his, I'm good. Um, but there's the reality of, like, the turmoil and the circumstances in your life that don't always feel like um, your soul is at peace. And I know the Lord gives peace, but, like, this morning, I just, man, my, my soul is not. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need your prayer. This morning has been a, a really heavy morning. Last night was a heavy night. Um, we just had chaos in our house. Um, like, we were just full disclosure, um, just fighting with kids. Kids fight with us. Nobody's getting along. And um, uh, tears are flying. Nothing was flying through the air. So that was a good thing. And, um, but it was just a, a struggle. And then coming, uh, coming and, uh, and Audra wasn't sleeping. She was up like every hour uh, of the night. And God bless Ashley for just getting up all the time with her. And I got up like twice. And I'm like, oh, this is the worst. Um, but just, just, just feeling all of that, you know. And then coming in today, uh, I feel like I'm trying to convince myself uh, that my soul is well. And so I don't know if there's anybody else trying to convince yourself that your soul is well. We're going to trust in the Lord uh, as we move forward this morning. And so uh, expect that he's got something good for all of us that are in this room right now. So you guys ready to, to jump into what God has for us? All right. Open your Bibles to John 14. Uh, John and, and John 16. Those are the two main passages that we're going to be in this morning. Uh, they might even be on the same page for you or just one page apart from each other. Um, I was also convinced of something as I was standing back there. Um, you know, throughout the week, this, this building gets used for a lot of different things. Uh, this room is normally empty, except for on Wednesdays when the kids come in. Uh, and so this room is empty throughout the week. But when y'all come in, you know what happens? This becomes the church. Um, because y'all enter the doors and where you go, the church goes, where Christ goes, the church goes. Uh, and so as we're together this morning, we are the church gathered uh, here at Riverview in Ashland. And this is just a, a beautiful thing. And I was sitting there thinking about, I was thinking about how the room is empty throughout the week. And then right now we're doing church because the church is gathered. So let's, uh, let's dive into God's word. Uh, we are in this series that we called Rooted, we started it last week. And last week um, we asked this big question. Right? Uh, we said, who is God? And we got it all figured out last week, you know? Like, we put God, like, we, we know who he is now, right? Everybody feel like you got your hands around it? No, it's, it's unfathomable. We can't get, but what we did say is that we know and understand that God is the Trinity. And we fleshed that out that God is three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And we said that he wants us to know him. He has moved heaven and works through hell so that we might know him and have a relationship with him. Desperately wants us to know him. So the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning is if we understand who this huge God is, who wants us to know him, we, has to, we have to ask, how does he talk to us? How does he want to relate to us? What does he have to say to us? And how do we know when he's talking to us? Let me ask you a question. Uh, who in here has ever been ghosted by somebody? Know what we're talking when you get ghosted? Yeah, well, doesn't that feel real good? 
That, feel, that feels real nice. Uh, you're talk, you've got a friend that you've been friends with for years, and then uh, you're talking and talking, and all of a sudden, like, nothing. Like, it's crickets, man. And, like, you're sending messages. And, like, hey, bro, like, you still alive? Like, did, did you lose your phone? Like, did something, like, did your house, like, what happened? Like, is it in the toilet? Like, like, what is going on? And then you hit them on a different social media kind of deal. Like, hey, did you lose your phone? Did it break? And it's still crickets? That feels real nice. It hurts when you get ghosted because you realize, like, somebody has cut you out. Um, and they didn't tell you they were going to cut you out. They just, it just happened. I'm actually working through one of those right now. So you might have, get a lot of raw emotion this morning, okay? Um, it just is what it is. But when that happens, communication stops. And you don't know if that communication is ever going to start again. And if it starts again, you don't know when it's going to start. So let's bring this idea of being ghosted by a friend or somebody that we thought was a friend and then bring this over into our faith. Sometimes in the world that we live in right now, when we can't see God face to face, and the best thing that we have is our scripture to understand who God is and who Jesus is and friends around us to, to uh, portray Jesus in our lives and to be Jesus in our lives. When we can't see him, the, the, what we can sometimes feel like is that God has ghosted us. And because we pray and we say, God, where are you at? Um, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm praying, I'm praying, but I'm getting nothing back. It feels like, like crickets. And you're like, hello, God, are you out there? Do you hear me? Do you care about me? Do you know that I, who's talking to you? Are you there? But here's the thing that I'm convinced of. Although it may feel like God has ghosted us, if he's created us and he loves us and he sent his son to die for us, surely he wants to talk to us and for us to talk to him, Right? Like, like he wouldn't go through all the trouble to create and then to redeem after things fall apart in order for us to just get ghosted by him. He wants to talk to us. And so I actually, I'd like for you to write this down if you write down things. God doesn't want to ghost you. God actually, he wants to talk to you and he wants you to talk to him. Do you ever feel like you're ghosting God? Are you, I feel like you ghosted me, so I'm gonna ghost you back. Like he wants to talk to us and wants us to talk to him. So how does he do it? And how do we know it's him when he does? I want you to write down a few things this morning. Um, uh, here's, here we're gonna start with like, like four things, okay? Four things, four common ways that I think God uses to speak to us. Now he can speak to us however he wants in all kinds of different ways. We, I was actually talking with the staff this week and we were having our staff meeting. And, and, and I said, hey team, uh, how do, how, when God talks to you, how, how do you know he's talking to you? And we had this whole list of things and like circumstances and music and walking and creation and all these things and the Bible. And so I would just kind of catalog four of these things or what we're going to call common ways that God uses to speak to us, but understanding that he can use anything. Like in the Old Testament, he uses the mouth of a donkey to talk to somebody. And I'll tell you what, if he can use the mouth of a donkey, he can use any one of us, okay? Just saying. Now, I didn't call y'all donkeys, okay? So don't go there. But here are four ways, starting. Um, he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, through other people, through the Bible, and through prayer. Now, when you look at that, do any of those surprise you? You look at one and be like, oh, I didn't expect to see that there. No, these are common ways that God uses to speak to us, but they're not always common practice for us. We don't always use these. Um, do, do you still have your Bibles open to John 14? Let, let's dive in here. 
John 14 is a theologically fantastic and rich passage for us because God tells us all kinds of things. Um, In this passage, Jesus is preparing his disciples um, for the day that he's going to leave. They don't yet know. He's been trying to tell them like he's going to be gone, he's going to die, he's going to Jerusalem and things are going to happen to him. But they haven't quite picked up what he's been laying down. And so he is very blunt with them right now. And he tells them that he's getting ready to leave and they are going to, to be freaking out. And so he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. And then Thomas jumps up. Uh, who has always got a little bit of a doubt in him, we find out. And verse five, he says, uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And, and Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you're here this morning, and that's the first time you're ever hearing verse six, or that's the first time you're ever having an opportunity to process through it, I'm gonna just sit on that and soak on that because if you've ever wondered, how on earth do I get to heaven? How do I get to God the Father? How how do I get beyond from this life here and this physical mortal kind of thing to this spiritual realm where God is? Jesus says, this is the only way. Because I'm the way, the truth, and the life and nobody comes to the Father except through me. And so if if you've never processed that and stepped in to the way that God has provided and accepted Jesus as your savior, that's all you need to do this morning. You need Jesus, okay? He's the way, the truth, and the life. But what Jesus is telling us here, he's telling the disciples that he's getting ready to go away. And they are, they're freaking out. But he tells them that there's gonna be a time where they come back together, that he's going to prepare a place for them, but it might be a minute before he comes back and they don't understand what's going on. Now, fast forward down to verse 15. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I will ask the father And he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. If you're circling things and highlighting things, would you circle those last four words? He will be in you because he's talking about the Holy Spirit that's going to be coming. And this is the promise that this Holy Spirit is going to come. And the promise is that he is going to take up residence inside the person who accepts Jesus. He's going to live in each believer. Now, this is a significant thing that Jesus is saying because there is no world religion at the time where the God comes to dwell with you. You have to fight and claw and figure out how to get to God. But God is saying, you trust me. You trust my way of salvation. I'm putting myself in you. That's how it's going to work. And this is significant because this is not like grandma and grandpa or aunt and uncle coming to stay at your house and taking up residence in your basement and their stuff exploding in your basement. And then whenever they leave, you got to clean up the mess. Okay. They they come and then they go. This is not Jesus, God saying, I'm going to come and then I'm going to go. He's like, no, I'm coming and I'm taking up residence in you forever. It's going to be inside of you. This is significant. Okay, guys, this is good. We're going to be moving fast here. So look at now, flip over to John 16. Okay, John 16, we're in verse 12. In this same scenario, in the same conversation here, um, here's what Jesus has to say. He says, I still have many things to say to you, 
but you can't bear them right now. I bet they can. They're taking in a lot. When the spirit of truth comes, now he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. When the spirit of truth comes, he's going to say he's got some things that he's going to be doing while he's present in you. Okay, There's going to be some significant work, all kinds of things, but he tells them two right here. It says he's going to guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And then secondly, he will declare to you the things that are to come. Okay, so we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying the Spirit's going to come. You tracking with him right now? Okay, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, is the baseline for anything that we can know and understand about God. He's sending him. If there is anything to know. Anything for us to get our mind around, if there's any work that he's doing, the only way that we can understand anything about God or what God has to say about God or his creation is through the Holy Spirit. There is no way that we can get our minds around something like God if he doesn't help us to do that. And the way that he's chosen to do that is through the Holy Spirit. And so as brothers and sisters in Christ, when we trust Jesus, his spirit comes and lives inside of us so that we can understand what he has to say to us. He could speak all day to us. And if we don't have the spirit to do the work of translating to that, that, then it would not make any sense. The spirit inside of us so that we can hear from God and understand what he has to say. The Holy Spirit's given to you and me so that we can know God, either through the words of others, through the Bible, through prayer, or any other way that he wants to speak to us. The Holy Spirit does the work of helping us to understand. It's ultimately going to be the Holy Spirit who is pinging us in the ear and saying, hey, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you see what's happening over here? Do you understand? Can you pick up what I'm laying down over here? Um, did you catch that? He's pinging these things into our ears saying, pay attention. You can never be ghosted by God if you have the Holy Spirit. It just isn't possible. And so let's drop here into these four common ways of hearing God speak to us. The first one is obviously the Holy Spirit. We're already talking about him. Let's go just a little bit deeper here in John 14. In John 14, you get an attribute of the Holy Spirit that gets pumped in here that I want us to understand. The word, the word that scripture uses for the Spirit here in John 14 is this word uh, parakletos, which doesn't, it's, it's the, in the Greek there, it doesn't really have a one-to-one -one correlation with any word that we have in English. Um, it actually takes quite a few English words to help us understand what this word means. And so we translate it with words like helper or advocate or comforter or encourager. And we hear those words, we're like, well, those are nice soft words. Those are warm and cozy words. Make you feel like, like God cares and, and God loves us, right? Makes us feel like God is on our side and the truth is he is. That's why he gives us this helper. It, it seems uh, kind of clear when we read words like this to see that the Holy Spirit is there in our lives as a great help, as a helper, and as a resource to us. But he's not just a resource or a tool in our lives. He, he's not just this thing that we can use. The Holy Spirit is God, okay? The Holy, remember when we talked last week about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God. And so the spirit that God has put inside of you at the moment you trusted him at your salvation is God himself. And he is living inside of you so that you might know him and so that you might know truth. And he's going to teach that to you through the spirit. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit has all kinds of different roles. But one very specific role 
that the Holy Spirit has pops up in John 16 as uh, this passage that we're in right now. So I want you to look at verse eight, okay? Verse eight. In verse eight, Jesus says, and when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit here, when he comes, he's going to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Well, doesn't that sound great? Yeah? They're like, okay, Holy Spirit, thank you for all those things. That's gonna be uh, fantastic. But what's that mean? In verse nine, there gives a little bit of a definition of what that means, but what does it practically mean? Uh, the, the Holy Spirit, what Jesus is saying, has a strong teaching role in our lives. And everything else that he does, he's always whispering things into our ears. Now in pop culture, starting from, I don't even know how far back, but we've had this mentality of how Satan and how God works in our lives and, and, how, and how they each speak to us. And we've had like, well, in, in some cartoons, we've got uh, the devil sitting on one shoulder and we've got uh, an angel sitting on the other. So you've got um, the devil and you've got God and the devil's whispering some things into your ear. And then you have the angel over here whispering some things into your ear. And, and, and it's true. Like there are some whisperings going on to, in, into our ears, but it doesn't look quite like this. You have a deceiver in Satan who is always whispering lies into our ears, desperately trying to get us to, to fall into his traps, to trip us up. But you also have the Holy Spirit who is whispering things into our ears too. But he's not sitting over here on our shoulder. From what we understand of scripture, he's living inside of us and he is speaking his truth in our ears, but also into our, into our spirits. He's not sitting on our shoulders. He's living in us. And he is doing his own whispering. He's speaking God's truth in our ears. And it's a little, little, little less like, uh, hey, you sure you want to eat that? Um, hey, you sure, you sure you want to speed down the road that fast? It's not quite like that. It's actually a lot more like, hey, here's how sin is wrecking your life. I'm going to pick you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Here's how sin is currently wrecking your life. And over here, let me show you where life is. Let me remind you of the truth of who you are and to whom you belong to. Let me remind you and let me point out to you how you can grow up in your maturity. Let me remind you that your choices matter, that it's not like a game that you just get to do your life and if you, your five lives are gone, you can hit reset and you can do it over again. But the choices that you make in your life, they matter. It's not a reset every, every, every kind of a day where you just get another run at it. What we're finding out is that the Holy Spirit is the baseline for anything that we want or anything that we can understand about God. Now, so that's God speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. What about him speaking to us through other people, okay? God puts people into your life to encourage you and to challenge you and to make you more like Jesus. Do you have people in your life like that? You got people in your life who are encouraging to you? You have people in your life that are a little on the other side, like they challenge you. Like they're not always ready to pat you on the back and say, hey, good job. But they're actually there to like kind of kick you in the pants and like, hey, bro, what are you doing? What, what about people who are prodding you to live and act and move and be more like Jesus? You got people in your life like that? Who are the people that God has put in your life that are doing that for you right now? I know for me, it, it's Don and Joel, two of my, two of my best friends. Uh, met while, while I was in the army, um, roommates with them, uh, got a lot of history. And uh, we live in different places. One lives in Texas, one lives in Georgia. So it's very difficult for us to, to communicate with one another. Thank God for technology. Not all technology is bad. Um, uh, Y'all heard of Marco Polo, uh, the Marco Polo app? 
Um, if, you, if you don't know about it, you should check it out. If you've got friends that you want to stay connected to, but it's really difficult. Um, it's, like a, it's like a video. This is not an ad for Marco Polo. This is just what I use in my life. Um, the, uh, you, you do like a video, like a video, like a face video or face, I don't you know, <laughs> a face video. You, you record yourself talking. <laughs> And it, go, and it goes to your, your friend group or whatnot. And then they, whenever they get around to it, they can watch it. And then they can talk back to you. You don't always have time for these long conversations, but you're able to stay connected with one another. And so about two to three times a week, we are, we are on Marco Polo encouraging each other. And the way that these two guys challenge me and encourage me are, are totally opposite, both, but both significant. I hate to read, but I read because God has led me into a, um, a calling where I need to read, right? And I grow when I read. But... Uh, Don is a guy who like challenges like, hey, are you reading this? Have you read this from the day that I first met him? Encouraging me to expand my mind to read not only the scriptures, but things that help me to understand them, like commentaries and things like that. Like, okay, I'll, okay. So he encourages me in that way. Joel is the best discipler of men that I've ever met in my life. And so every time he's on the horn, he, he's talking about these different, these different guys that he's pouring into and discipling. And I'm challenged. I'm like, I wanna do what he's doing. I want to disciple guys like you. Like, Joel, will you disciple me so I can learn how to disciple like you? Like, can, can we do that? But these are guys who are in my life that won't just let me coast. They'll challenge me and move in. And, and if I've got a faulty view on something, they know me well enough to call me out on it. And I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to ghost them because they, because they call me out. Who are the people in your life that you can, that you allow to challenge you, that encourage you, and that point you towards Jesus? Now we know in Genesis 3, things just go terribly wrong, right? The communication that we strive to have with one another was completely broken uh, in the garden. It's, an, it's a time where we call the fall um, because people used to have this amazing face-to-face communication with God. They're just like rolling through the garden and they can talk with God. But then all of a sudden, Adam and Eve, they make these terribly poor choices and li- they listen to a daggum snake in a tree. Now I'm just gonna tell you something right now, right? If you're walking through the, the woods, and there's a snake that starts talking to you, the, like, don't, don't listen. Like, go, I have no idea what prompted two people in the garden of perfection when a snake starts talking to you to just like, this is just totally normal. But they listen to what he has to say and it wrecks communication. But here's the sin, or here, here's the deal. Just because communication broke down doesn't mean that God was ready to ghost us and to walk away from us and to give up on us. Because he threw out a lifeline and he went to restoring communication ASAP. Um, he starts sending the judges, the prophets, the priests. He sends the Holy Spirit so that he can continue a conversation with us. So that we can have communication with him. He wasn't ready to ghost us and walk away. And the truth is, he also uses people like you and me every day. Not, not, just, not just like, let's just say the people in the Bible are normal people. Just God has used in different ways. But he also uses people in our lives like right now to encourage us and to challenge us too. It's actually one of the reasons why we gather together in community. Like we're getting ready to start life groups here in just a couple of weeks. And if you're not in a life group, let me tell you, you need to get into one because it's in, converse, it's, it's in moments like these and communities like these where we don't feel like we're on an island by ourselves doing our own thing. God has not asked us to be these lone ranger renegades doing life by ourselves. He's put us in the context of community so that we can get to know one another. And so when we say, I'm struggling, you've got somebody else who can come along and bring some light into that struggle and be like, bro, I've been there too. And here's how God worked, worked through that. To, for, for you, like just in a moment of honesty, sharing all the garbage that was going on in my life last night, didn't intend to do that this morning, but it just kind of <laughs> oozed out because it felt heavy. 
And, and now you have the opportunity, I'm not saying you have to do this, but you have the opportunity to know what's like the struggle that's going on in my life. And you can come alongside of me and say, hey, brother, I've been through the same thing. You're not a bad dad. You're a good dad. You're hanging in there. Here's, here's when that happened in my life. This is how God encouraged me and challenged me. So you have the opportunity when somebody in your group or in your community shares a struggle or shares a joy, you get to come alongside of them and you get to learn from that and you get to grow from that. God has intentionally built the community of faith like that. We, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 um, that God has put people together who have um, strengths in one area and weaknesses in another area and other people who have strengths in one area and weaknesses in another area. And he puts them all together in this one big body that he calls the church. He builds it together as a family. And he does that so that we can understand that we need one another, that we can't do it alone. We're not intended to do it by ourselves. And so we are intentionally brought together in a family of believers. And what happens is God will often use in the context of community, he will use the words of a friend to help you deal with what you're going through. He's not afraid to use somebody else's voice to speak his voice in your life, the word that he wants you to know. So God will use the voice of somebody else to use, to be his word to you. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten, I've finished preaching a sermon and maybe it was later that week or something. Somebody will come up to me and they, and they will say, hey, hey, pastor, when you, when you said that thing um, uh, during your sermon or during your talk and uh, it, it really hit me in this way and God used it to do this thing. And, um, and then I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah like what did, what did I say? And they'll say, and I'm thinking like, did I ever say that? And I'm like, and I'm like racking my brain. I'm like, am I forgetting what I, what I talked about? It's possible, but am I, and I just, and I'm like, I never said that, but here's what happens. God uses what you say and he translates it to the person who needs to hear whatever he wants them to hear just because you said it, okay? So God will use your voice in somebody else's life to be what he needs them to hear from him, a direct message from him, okay? Um, he's not afraid of that. Here's, here's the, the third way that God speaks to us. God speaks us to us through uh, the Bible. Now, God speaks to us through all kinds of different ways. One of the foundational ways that we can understand who God is and uh, his desires for us is actually, it's through his word. Now, for some people, the Bible, it's just a paperweight, right? It, it sits on the shelf or it sits on something else so it doesn't fly away and it just gathers dust uh, on a coffee table somewhere. For others, maybe it's just kind of like a good luck charm that you just throw on the dashboard like, like hoping that if, if, if I get pulled over for going too fast, like a police officer is going to see it and then have some kind of favor, like almost like, like a rabbit's foot. Y'all remember those from like the seventies and the eighties? Like you put a rabbit, like on your keychain, like this is a good look. And so you throw your Bible on the dashboard for good luck. Um, so you don't get a ticket or so maybe you think that if it's on the dashboard, I'm not going to get in a wreck or something like that. And so the Bible for you might be just trivial. It's not something that you use, but for others, our Bibles, like this is, this is how God talks to us. And for us believers who believe that this is how God talks to us, this, this is, um, we believe that this is breathed out by him and it's effective for changing our lives and teaching us about him. I'll, I'll be honest with you. If, if I lost this Bible, I feel like I would be lost. I've got several on my shelf and certainly I can read another one. But this one in particular it's got tears through different seasons of my life that are on certain pages and I know where they're at. It's got prayers that I have written 
and I've asked God to intervene on, that he's met me on, and some that I'm still waiting on him to answer. There, there are moments where I've cried out and I've prayed for you that are in here, and where I've prayed for my family, and I've got notes in here, and I've got um, uh, uh, different sayings, or different thoughts and ideas, or places I was at when I was reading. I would be lost if God's word got lost from my life. And so it's not trivial for me. And I'm hoping that it's not a trivial thing uh, for you either. But here's the question that we get as believers in 2023 in the, in the generation that we're living in, and maybe you faced it. And the question comes along like this. How could we really believe that a book this old can have any value for us today? You ever hear something like that? It's so old, it's so antiquated. How could it have any value for you? And we go to 2 Timothy 3 and we read this. All scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness that the man of God might be complete, equipped for every good work. And when we read a passage like that, we really do believe that the Bible and the words in it, that they come from God himself, that he breathed these out and that every intention of every word on these pages are so that we can know him and so that we might be able to grow up in the maturity in him so that we might be able to fully experience the life that he has given or that he desires for you and me as followers of Christ. But is that, uh, like, how's that possible? How could we have words like that that are breathed out by God? Well, we go to Second Peter chapter one, and we believe this too, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the what? By the Holy Spirit, speaking into what God wanted. And so what happens is we believe that there are 40 people over the span of 1500 years that God chose to use to pin down the 66 books that we have of the Bible, all from different walks of life, different cultures, different backgrounds, different geographical locations on the planet to write down the words that we have. And we believe that those are directly from him because they give us this one cohesive story without fault, without error. And in, in, in our terms, we call it inerrancy that there is no fault in God's word for us. Um, and the application of his word that it is capable to correct us and to train us and to point us towards him in all matters of life, okay? And, and so what if I did believe that men wrote down the words of God and preserved them for us over all these times, over all these years? That was 2,000 years ago. How could that matter today with all the social changes and the advancements and that have taken place? Isn't it antiquated? Do you, do you get those questions? Or do you hear those questions? Do you hear those doubts? in our culture, like, like, like it's over 2000 years ago, times have changed, times are a change and we've advanced. We've, like we're, we're more equipped with understanding and stuff like that now. The larger question, I think that's in that presupposition is, is that people may not actually realize is that the question is, does God's voice still matter? The God who created, the God who made, the God who is in control of all things, does his voice still matter? Is it still relevant today? The question assumes that the one who created might've actually left the building, that he created it and he threw it out there and he has no idea what's gonna happen with it. Or he had no master plan in his creating, he just created and now he's somehow run out of ideas and, and he's out of control or he has no control over what's happening. And so how could something so old be so relevant for anybody today? Well, that's when we go to Hebrews chapter four and chapter four says, 
For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So that means that every time that we pick up the word of God, there is the potential that he penetrates our hearts. And there's a potential of drastic change in us. There's the potential that we are going to meet him every time that we open up the scriptures. How many times have we walked away from our Bible reading time and said, God, how did you know? How did you know that that was the word that I was gonna need for today? Like I didn't know, but yet in this spot, you totally blew me away. I read this much, but all you needed to pull off was this. And it totally changed. Or maybe you don't get anything when you open up the scriptures for that day or for that week, and you feel like God's ghosting you, you're not hearing anything from him. What about just the act of obedience and faithfulness of opening up the scriptures and saying, God, I am here. Would you meet with me in this place? And you don't hear anything specific. Then a week down the road, a month down the road, a couple years down the road, some circumstances going on in your life. And wouldn't you know it, that thing that you read two years ago pops off the page. You're like, oh, I understand. How did you know? How did you know that I was going to need that for this moment right now? And it's just simply the act of faithfulness and obedience of opening up, opening up God's word because you believe that every time you do, it is active and is ready to penetrate straight through your soul to the thing that you actually need. Now, here's the deal. If somebody is like, well, dude, you, you believe that stuff? Like, really, you believe it? It's a book. And all you did was defend the book by using the book. Like you, you, it's circular reasoning. Like you defended the Bible by using the Bible. You started with the Bible and you came back around to the Bible. Well, here's what I would say. I would say, yes, you're, you're right. That's true. But your faith has to start somewhere. <laughs> so where does your faith start? Where, where do you begin? For us as believers who, who hold to the word of God, here, we believe it because it stood the test of time. It, it's it's a... Uh, held up to the toughest of scrutiny and it is never not under scrutiny like somebody is always challenging it and always holds up to whatever gets thrown at it we believe it because it stood up it's never been proven wrong with, with each archaeological find it only continues to be more validated and where you think there's uh, 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 an inconsistency as you continue to read you find oh wait no there isn't an inconsistency there was an inconsistency in my reading capability to put things together. There is a noted archeologist um, who wrote in the New York Times and he was actually on the cover of Time Magazine. Um, he said that there is no discovery, no discovery has ever been made that contradicts or controverts historical statements of scripture. <laughs> and he's true. Now for centuries, manuscripts have, have been found. Manuscripts that were so precisely copied, so well written, so well preserved, taken with incredible detail that if a scribe were to make a mistake, they would completely start all over. They would scrap the one and they would start over and write again to make sure that they are not missing anything here. And, and so it was handled well. And we have 5,000 manuscripts, over 5,000 manuscripts and fragments of manuscripts that are going all the way back to the early century of Christianity, giving us 99% accuracy of the New Testament being reconstructed with no reasonable doubt. Isn't that amazing? That's why we hold to this truth. Now we will believe in less validated text over the course of history like Homer's Odyssey 
That there's all kinds of different manuscripts, and yet we'll hold, well, he wrote that. But yet when it comes to Scripture, we doubt the validity of it sometimes, or the questions of its validity get thrown out there. But there is remarkable consistency across the board in these thousands of manuscripts, and we've put them together. When we pick up our Bible, we can be extremely confident that we are reading what God intended for us and that the Holy Spirit is going to take what God intended us and apply it to our lives and help us to understand what's going on. Fourth thing, and we're gonna wrap up with this. God speaks to us through prayer. I want you to be honest with me here. How many of you would admit that for you, your phone is an issue? Like it, it gets in the way, it's a distraction for you. Anybody willing to admit that your phone's a distraction? And the rest of us, do we want to admit that we don't tell the truth all the time, right? <laughs> like, like, here's the deal. Our phones are an amazing distraction for us. They prohibit us sometimes of being fully present with one another. They do amazing things, but they also get in the way. Uh, uh, we were celebrating Cinco de Mayo uh, um, back at Cinco de Mayo. And we went to a Mexican restaurant, and the atmosphere was amazing. Uh, the service was amazing. It was fantastic. Okay, and uh, while we were sitting at our table, and I'm not blasting people really because we've been in the same scenario from time to time, but we look around from our table and we look up and it was like everybody in the place had their heads down on their phone, checking in with whatever they're checking in on, right? To see what Elon and Zuckerberg are into. I don't know what they're doing, but they're checked out seeing what, what's going on in around the world, which means that they are not, they're present with family or friends, but they're not actually present with family and friends. They're in the same physical place, but their mind is mentally checked out. And, and that happens to us. In marriage, communication is a big deal too, right? Being present with your spouse is a big deal. But how many times, fellas, ladies, are we in the same space with our spouse and they say something to us, but our head is down and we're looking at the phone and like, hey, did you hear me? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're like, um, no, you didn't. You didn't hear a thing that I just said. And the reality is you didn't hear what they just said. Does that ever happen to anybody else? Is that just me? We can be in the same space with one another, but not in the same space with one another. Your mind isn't anywhere engaged. And it's the same in our relationship with God. We wanna be fully present in the presence of God. And, and the deal is prayer is how we enter into the presence of God while we're here on earth. One day prayer is not gonna be necessary because we're gonna be face to face with God himself. And we're gonna be able to talk to him. But right now, while we're here on earth, this is how we enter into the presence of, of God. This is our calling card. This is our, our lifeline. This is our, our cell phone connection to him. And we read in Hebrews chapter four, the writer says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So our heavenly father, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of all the universe, the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, by the sacrifice in the blood of Jesus, he invites us to meet with him whenever we want. We can sit down in the very presence and in the throne room of God because of what Jesus did on the cross for you and me. He says, come and sit with me. Isn't this amazing? <laughs> I can't convince you, but hopefully the Holy Spirit will. It is an amazing thing to be able to enter into the presence of God. And the way that we do that is, is through prayer. 
And we can do that whenever we want. So let's ask the question, who is prayer for? Is it for God? Is it for you and me? Is it for us? I would say that prayer is for us. It's for you and me to drop off the cares and the concerns and the things that cause disturbance in my soul and in your soul and to set them at the feet of Jesus. It's so that we might be able to carry the burdens of others to the throne room of God. It's so that we might be able to, to enter into in his presence and to remember that we are not lone rangers dependent on ourselves to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and to do it all by ourselves. It's so that we might be reminded that we are dependent on him for everything. And it's not for, just for us to just to be doing all the talking. It's a place for us to, to sit and listen to what God has for us. Anybody have a problem just sitting and listening? <laughs> with, with your, you said, well, no, look what we're doing right now. Um, but to sit in prayer and for your, not, your mind not to wander off. Anybody got a wandering mind, squirrel mind? Yeah, boy, isn't it so hard to, to wrangle in? We get to sit in the presence of God and hear what he has to say to us. And this is hard for us to do. So prayer isn't us just talking to God, it's giving him space to kind of talk back to us. I just say, this is what my prayer life looks like. And I'm gonna tell you, it's not perfect. It's, it's often lacking. Um, but I'll share with you what mine looks like. So I'll, I'll sit down and right before I get ready to, to open up the scriptures, I'll just spend some time with the Lord and I'll say, God, I'm here. Would you just meet with me in this place? It doesn't matter where I'm at. It could be in my, my living room. It could be in, in our bedroom on the yellow chair. It could be anywhere. And I just say, God, would you meet with me in, in this place? Um, your servant's here. I'm ready, I'm ready to listen. And then I'll start to pray for my family. I'll pray for Ashley and I'll pray for the kids. And then I'll uh, lift up uh, the burdens that, I, that I'm aware of. And so I'll pray for you and um, I'll pray uh, for friends and things that people have made me aware of. Uh, I'll ask for confession of things that I've messed up on and things that I'm aware of and things that I can't see. I'll often do the Acts prayer. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Acts prayer, A-C-T-S, um, where I'll, uh, acknowledging the attributes of God, where I'll just pray like, um, God, you are amazing. And I'll just list off who he is and just thank him for who he is. And, and then I'll get to see and I'll do confession and confess the things that I'm aware of and pray that God would open up the things and let me see if, if it's somebody else revealing to me um, that it would be revealed to me that I can confess. Uh, and then T is Thanksgiving, that I'll just, uh, just give thanks to the, you, you, sometimes like all the burdens you feel in your life kind of get erased a little bit when you start to look at all the things that you can be thankful for and you start thanking God for, for these things. Um, and so, uh, so I'll just pray a prayer of thanks. And then supplication, it's a weird word we don't ever use anymore, um, but I'll be praying for, the, for, for, for people and interceding um, for the things that, again, that I'm aware of and uh, the things that in my own life that I feel like that, that, are, that are lacking or, or necessary. And so I don't know if you have a way that you pray, but that for a linear thinker, that, that helps me to not have squirrel brain all over the place, but just to, Lord, we're, we're in and we're connecting and I'm ready to listen to what you have uh, for me. So that's Acts. Um, but listening to God can be somewhat mysterious. And so how do we know that we're hearing from God? How do we know that it's from him and not from just something that we're thinking about or something that somebody else planted in our mind. How do we know that it's not even from the evil one who's trying to mess with us and speak something untrue into our, our ears? Here's, here's what I'd say. Um, we can know that it's from God when we know it's something that we would have never come up with on our own, right? That, it, that, it, that it's from him. Um, that, and don't take credit for something that God came up with, all right? Don't be stealing his glory and taking it for yourself. 
So like when you know it's not from you, um, uh, I think we know it's from him when it aligns with God's word and it doesn't go against his will for you or for me or for anybody else. Um, I think when, when God is prompting you to love in a situation where you wouldn't love, to forgive in a situation that you wouldn't forgive, um, to uh, be generous in ways that you wouldn't normally be generous, um, so much so where you just think, well, like, man, I, I don't know if I can do that. God, you, you're calling me to that? And you're like, you know that's not from you when you're like, I don't know. Like it's, it's totally uh, from him. And here's the deal. The more time that we spend with God, the more we're gonna understand his voice. Um, Jesus says in John 10 that the sheep know the shepherd's voice, right? And the more time a, a shepherd spends with his sheep or the more, times a, more time a sheep spends with his shepherd, the more you're gonna understand and hear his voice and the more clear it's going to be. And say, oh, that's, that's what you have? But if we're just spotty in our connection with the Lord, or we're just spotty and, 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 or we're never showing up or never opening up our Bibles or never spending time in prayer, it's gonna be really difficult for us to know when he's actually speaking. Um, and so uh, I think the more time we spend with him, it becomes clear. Here's three things that I want us to walk away with this morning um, as a challenge. Why don't you set a time for yourself to get into your Bible? If, if, if this is not your thing, guys, a Christian who doesn't open his Bible is a struggling Christian. I'm just gonna tell you that. A Christian who doesn't open up their Bible is going to struggle all day long. So open up, set a time to spend some time in, in the word and just say, God, would you meet with me in this place? Let me hear from you. And then set a time to intentionally pray. Maybe that they're at the same time, but set a time to pray. Uh, the idea of a non-praying Christian, it does non-existent in the scriptures. God wants to speak to us and this is how he speaks to us. And so set a time where you can just sit and listen. God, let me hear from you. And this one may even be more challenging than others. Uh, set a time with, with a friend, one who hasn't ghosted you. S set a time with a friend and say, where do you see me growing and where do you see me struggling? What is God trying to point out to me that I'm not yet seeing? And allow them to speak those truths into you so that you might be able to bring those and lay them at the feet of the Lord so that you might grow. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for your word. Thanks for the challenges here. This is, this is not easy, but you want us to know you fully. God, Father, God, Spirit, God, Son, we wanna know you for who you are. We wanna know how you wanna talk to us. And so would you allow us, God, just to be brothers and sisters in Christ who are coming after you, wanting to hear from you, wanting your voice to be the loudest voice that we hear, the most clear voice that we hear. And so I do believe that's gonna happen as we open up the scriptures, as we pray, as we invite brothers and sisters into our lives to speak truth, to hear from you, God. And as we just allow your spirit to do the work of teaching us that he wants to do. And so Father, here we are, we're available. Do your work in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.